Uh, We have started a new series uh, this week, Christianity 101. Uh, Last week was the back to school luau. Uh, And because we decided to, you know, do the back to school thing, I felt like if the kids are doing it, we should do it as well. So for three weeks, we're going to go back to school. Um, Can you put the other slide up? Scott, or do you, or is that, is that the one that was up all service? I never turned around. That's what happens. Yeah, there you go. And the first test is what is wrong with this picture? Raise your hand if you know. Yes, sir. Christianity's misspelled. That's right. Uh, would somebody get him the prize? Cause he's the winner, um, for acknowledging that I'm getting this out of the way now, uh, so that somebody doesn't pick up on it later and go, oh, that's misspelled and stop listening. Or so that, as what happened last service, 700 of you don't come down after the service and go, you know, Christianity is misspelled. Really? Thank you. Um, it is misspelled. Uh, that's okay. Because God knows what we mean. <laughs> and like all of you sitting out there are perfect. Yes, get over it. It happens. Okay, now that that's out of the way... Uh, Basically, you know, I get a lot of questions from time to time um, about stuff, the basics. You know, people don't walk up to me and say, uh, you know, St. Augustine wrote in his treatise on baptism. You know, I don't get a lot of that. I don't get a lot of people walking up to me and throwing down these deep theological using these, you know, $50 word questions. I get basic stuff. I get stuff that most of us take for granted that we assume that if you come to church, you already know these things. But that's not the case a lot of times. A lot of times, if you've been to church for a long time, sometimes you still don't know this stuff. This is the basics. Christianity 101. Jesus, the Bible, and the church. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about those things. And I encourage you, uh, as we have the last two weeks, to send me your emails, your questions that you might have about these so that I can use them and incorporate them. I won't broadcast your name. Uh, and I, you know, as I said last week, there are no stupid questions except the ones left unasked, um, as that was my teacher side of me coming out, even though we all know that there are stupid questions. Um, <laughs> I mean, you always had that one kid in the class that asked, the, you know, it's time for recess and he raises his hand and asks this stupid question right before recess. Asking an involved question is a stupid question in my eyes. Um, so recess, remember that? That was great, wasn't it? Just a break. Wouldn't you like to have recess at work? Just it's time to go play right now, and then we can come back to work. Wouldn't that be fun? That's kind of my life, really. I live life at recess. Uh, but you know, thousands of you have emailed me your questions, um, and by thousands, I mean four. Uh, I encourage you to send me your questions uh, that I can use to basically write my sermons. So I want you to do the work this week uh, in the next weeks. I got one for Jesus. Um, I have to say that apparently you all know everything about Jesus. So really, if you're the one that wrote the Jesus question, just come forward and you and I can talk about it and the rest you can go home. Not in here. Okay. good. The question pretty much was this in my own words, what's up with the Trinity? He said it a little differently, but he says in, in the Bible, you see, you know, God as father, son, and spirit. You, sometimes they seem separate. Other times they seem together. What's the whole deal with the Trinity? That's kind of a Seinfeld question. What's the deal with the Trinity? But that's a question a lot of people have. That's a question a lot of people ask is, 
What's up with that? And I think at the heart of that is, who's Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is this guy that, that we talk about all the time? This guy that songs are written about? This guy that people have died for? This guy that people have killed for? Who is that? Hey, that's a Palm Trio 650, isn't it? Because I have that exact phone. Exactly. See right here. There you go. Mine's on vibrate, though. Um, the best thing to do is David Mitnitsky doesn't always put his phone on silent, and he always has it with him in meetings. Call him during a meeting. It goes off. It's great. Um, one of the things that, you know, that has plagued people for centuries is who is Jesus? The question is gone forever. The disciples asked, who is this that can calm the winds and the seas? People have asked this question since he was born. Who is this? Who is Jesus? Now, the first answer I'm going to give you is on the historical side. Jesus was a man. Jesus was a guy that walked here on earth, that lived and breathed the air, that ate and drank. He was a guy that got mad. He was a guy that loved. He was a guy that cried. He was a guy that was scared. He was a guy. He was a person just like us. And really, that fact is undisputed. If you go to the Muslims and you ask them, if you ask an Iman, who is Jesus? They will say Jesus was a philosopher, a prophet that lived 2,000 years ago. He was a great teacher, a great moral leader. They acknowledge that he existed. They acknowledge that he lived. If you go to the Jews and you ask them the question, who was Jesus? He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He was a leader. They acknowledge that he lived and existed. If you look at the writings of some of the historical researchers of his day, if you look at Josephus, who wrote after Jesus' death, he writes a historical account of the life of Jesus. From time to time, Jesus enters in to the history that Josephus is writing. If you look at some of the Roman historians, Tacitus and some other us, I can't remember that it starts with an R, but they both write about this Jesus guy, that he existed, that he lived, that he walked on earth. The fact that Jesus was alive, was a man, is undisputed. But, is so much commotion going on? Are so many lives being changed? Are there so much, is there so much controversy? Is there so, so much about just a man? No. Because if that were, if that were it, if that were it, I don't think we'd be here today. I don't think that if it, if it were just about Jesus, the man, that over 2000 years later, churches around the world would be talking about him, would be worshiping him, would be celebrating Jesus. Because it doesn't just stop with Jesus being a man. It goes further. Jesus was a man, yes, but Jesus was God. You might ask yourself, self, how does Michael know that? Well, I'll tell you. I go to John. John chapter 1. Now, 
Here's the interesting question. When you talk about Jesus as man and you have all this other outside biblical evidence that Jesus was a man, that he existed, that he walked here on earth, that's one thing. But when you go to the second part of this question, who is Jesus? Jesus is a man. Jesus is God. It gets a little sticky. Because where are you going to find references of Jesus as God? Right here in your Bible. So the question becomes, do you believe what is written in this book? Do you think that these words hold truth? I mean, heck, they were written 2,000 years ago. Some of them much, much longer. So do you believe what is in this book? Now, we're going to get into this more next week, but let me tell you this quickly. There is more historical evidence for the accuracy of these words in this book than any other historical document around. By far, there are more copies original copies than anything else than the writings of Josephus of the us brothers of all of the all of the historians of that time there's more copies of these words than of theirs there's more factual evidence for this stuff than of theirs that can lead you one of two ways well this is the greatest scam ever pulled or maybe there's truth in it Now, what you do with the Bible is something different, but it comes down really to do you believe? Do you believe? There, Luke writes a a wonderful historical account through his gospel and acts, and that stuff can be corroborated outside of the Bible, but do you believe? Do you believe in these words? I do, or I wouldn't be up here. So I go to John when I ask the question, was Jesus God? Is there more to Jesus than just his manhood? And I go to John 1. Now, the first, go- the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the Synoptic Gospels. They're very similar. They tell of the same stories. If you read through them, you can see some of the same things. They're told a little differently, but it's the same stories throughout. John's a little different. John had a different purpose for his writing of his gospel. He says it in John 20. He says, I am writing these things so that you believe. I am writing these things so you would know Jesus Christ and that you would believe in Jesus Christ. That's why I'm writing. Matthew and Luke start their gospels with a historical account of the genealogy of Jesus. Mark starts his with John the Baptist. They kind of start from a different perspective than John. John starts theologically. You might be familiar. This is one of the, uh, the most commonly known verses, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John starts it a completely different way. In the beginning, my, mine says it a little differently. In the beginning, the Word already existed. He was with God and he was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Life itself was in him. And this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So what does this say about Jesus? In the beginning was the word. Let me... 
step back for a second. The word logos would be the Greek that he was using there. What was significant about that? To us, that doesn't mean as much as it would have to them. It would have meant something solid, something true, something without a doubt you could take for certain. That was the kind of word that he was talking about. God spoke words to create the world. So he's talking about something certain and sure and solid. And he's saying, Jesus Christ is that. And Jesus was in the beginning. What does that mean? Does it, have you ever heard those words in the beginning before? Does it sound familiar? How about Genesis 1? In the beginning is how the Bible starts. In the beginning. I think John made a conscious effort to use those three words. Because he had a point here. In the beginning was Christ. Christ was always. There was never a time when Christ wasn't. The question at the Nicene Council was, was this, was Christ created or was he always? Christ was always. From the very beginning of creation, Christ was already there. There's never been a moment that Christ hasn't existed. And for our finite minds, for our minds that run in linear fashion, for our minds that can't jump back and forth between thousands and millions of years, it's hard for us to understand that. It's hard for us to grasp that. But there has never been a time when God didn't exist. There's never been a time when Christ didn't exist. Constant, always there. I love talking about creation with people that believe that are heavy science oriented people and they bring up the big bang and we talk about the big bang. And I've said this in here many times that, um, you know, I, big bang doesn't scare me at all. You know, if the big bang happened, okay, sure. Whatever. God started it. You know, science and theology ask different questions. Science asks how theology asks why, but the question I always get to with uh, big bang people is, you know, two atoms collide together and start off this chain reaction that's still growing right now. And the universe is expanding and it created this amoeba that eventually became a monkey that eventually became me. You know, all these different things and stuff like that. Okay, where the first two atoms come from? Silence is usually... Uh, well, they were just floating around space. Well, space wasn't created yet. What are you going to do with that? Christ was always. And when I think about the vastness of space and the vastness of nothing, it's kind of a weird feeling you kind of get. But Christ was always. In the beginning was, already there was the word. There's never been a time without Christ. And he goes on, he says, and the word was with God. He was with God. Now, that implies something different. See, that implies if you say, I am with my wife, that implies that my wife is standing next to me, that we are somewhere in the vicinity together. I am with my wife. So if the word was with God, does that mean that they're separate? Jesus Christ and God standing face to face, looking at each other. Without really talking about the Trinity, this is what John is putting forward. He's putting forward the Trinity, the Trinity, which says this, that God is three persons in one, the father, 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those three persons make up God. That's confusing when you talk about it. Three people make up one. My wife, my child, and I are three. Does that mean we're one? In a way, yeah. But not in the same instance as God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In seminary, we weren't allowed to say that. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because it was, wasn't inclusive enough. But the way that they wanted you to say it brings a little more out. Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. The Father, the Creator of all things. The Son, the Redeemer of all things. And the Spirit, the Sustainer of all things. There are three aspects of God which come together to form one. Now, I had a a professor in seminary that... uh, tried to draw this when we were talking about the, the Trinity. And there's, there was a lot of theological debate around the Trinity. And uh, for years and years, people debated it. And there was different sects that would break off and say they were just masks, that there was really one God and he would put on, right now I'm the Father. And then he'd take that mask off, whoo, I'm the Spirit. And then he'd take that mask off, but it was the same guy. And there's different things that would go on. But he tried to map it out on, the, on a board for us. I'm like... Dude, you can't draw God. What are you thinking? I mean, how hard is it to, you know, okay, well, okay, you got the Father up here, and then you got the Son down here, and then here's the Spirit, and you draw a circle around it and all this stuff. It's kind of hard to put our minds around that fact. It's, it's hard to put our minds around that idea. It reminds me of the Sunday school class who uh, the teacher walked over to this kid, and the kid's drawing. She goes, well, what are you drawing? He said, I'm drawing God. She said, well, nobody knows what God looks like. He says, they will in a minute. (laughs) Nobody knows what God looks like. You know, is he an old white guy with a big white beard? Was Jesus a, a white guy with dark hair and sandals that carried a little lamb around like that picture you see all the time? I don't know. You know, the... The part in, uh, I, got, uh, I got a comment for mentioning this movie last week, but I'm going to mention it again because <laughs> the scene was really speaking to me right now. In Talladega Nights when uh, they're praying, I know, yeah, wait for it, I know. You can send me comments again, that's all right. Uh, when, uh, when they're sitting at the table and they're praying, and Will Ferrell's character is praying to sweet baby Jesus. Um, sweet eight pound, six ounce, watching your Einstein video, baby Jesus. And his wife goes, he wasn't a baby. He grew up to be a man. And he says, well, I like the Christmas Jesus. And they have this theological discussion really at their table. Who is Jesus? How do you see Jesus? At the end, there's some outtakes. And they talk about this one guy goes through his series of what he sees Jesus as. The one that sticks in my mind is a figure skater dressed all in white doing an interpretive skate to my life. And the reason I mention that is because we all see God in a little different way. We all see God differently. To me, God may look like something totally different than God looks like to you. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay because because the fact of the matter is that God is that to us. That God meets us where we are. That Christ 
comes to us as we need him to come. Paul says, I became all things to all people so that they might know Christ. Sometimes we limit the power of God in Jesus Christ when we box him into one thing. God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Godhead, three in one. So there's never been a time when Christ was not. Christ and the Father are separate. But, he goes on. He was with God and he was God. Here's the important fact about that. Yeah, he's separate from God on one part, but he is God. Jesus Christ, God on earth. Jesus Christ, God. That's the issue. That's the issue that's been debated for centuries, for millennia. That's the issue that's being debated right now in denominations. That's the issue that separates us from the Muslims and the Jews. That's the issue. Jesus was God. Yeah, he was a great teacher. He was a great moral leader. Jesus was just a wonderful guy, I'm sure, to have as a buddy. But he's also God. That carries with it something much more, something much greater and more powerful, because what he did means more. The fact that he died for our sins, rose again. The fact that because he died, we have life. Who is Jesus? You know, this question can be answered in so many different ways. You start off with Jesus was man and God. And where do you go from there, really? You know, for me, I asked that question when I got out of college and I came to San Antonio and I was trying to to date this girl. And so I was going where she was going, you know, what guys do this, you know, we're stupid. So we'll just follow along. But she was going to this church service and I went to it and I'd grown up in Episcopalian. We went to church. I was in a Methodist youth group for a while. I knew about God. I knew about Jesus, the little guy holding the lamb, you know, I knew about all those things, but I met Jesus Christ at that service. I met Jesus. I met him again this year. I think I've told this story before, but down in Piedras Negras, we have a mission that we are doing there at an orphanage. We've had two trips down. Another one's coming up in October. I played basketball with Jesus. Oh, seriously, there was this kid. He was like 12, 13 years old. He's in a wheelchair and his name was Jesus. And that night when we were all talking about, you know, uh, Jerry Bonham said, what was your closest to Jesus moment today? And I said, when I was playing basketball with him. And I was kind of joking because they all knew that this kid's name was Jesus. And, you know, I was kind of jokingly saying, oh, yeah, I was playing basketball with Jesus. And this is kind of, uh, playing basketball. I was, you know, basically rebounding. For, he'd shoot and I'd run after his misses or I'd rebound whatever and pass it back to him. And rarely did he ever smile at me. 
Uh, I think he was just looking straight at me and wanting me to, to break or to do something. Um, but I, I was jokingly saying, yeah, I play basketball with Jesus today. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I really did. Because that kid, that kid had Jesus living inside of him. You know, that was a moment for me. Just he and I were outside playing basketball. It was something that meant something to me later as I thought about it. Who, who is Jesus? Jesus is a man, a teacher, a leader. Jesus is a husband, is a lover, is a friend. You know, the, the beautiful poetry of the Song of Songs talks about a bride and a bridegroom. Us being the bride and Christ being the bridegroom. You know, Jesus is somebody who loves you more than anyone else. You could never love your child as much as Christ loves your child. You could never love your spouse as much as Christ loves your spouse. You could never love yourself as much as Christ loves you. Who is Jesus? It, it's so... It's so easy to answer. And then there's this whole vastness part of Jesus that you have to say, I just, I don't know. But I know that Jesus is in me. You know, when I made the decision to follow Christ, I, I came to this pastor and I said, you know what? I'm ready. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm ready to take my cross. It says to pick up your cross and follow me. And I was ready to do it. I said, I'm ready to do it. And he goes, do you know what that means? I said, I did until you asked that question. I don't know. Is there something I'm missing? He said, when he, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be an easy walk. I, was like, I get the symbolism there. Pick up the cross. Doesn't sound like a cakewalk. He goes, no, it's going to be hard. And I was like, well, Maybe I'm not ready to pick up my cross and follow. This is a pastor leading me away from Christ is what I was thinking. Well, maybe uh, you know something I don't and I'm not ready. He goes, no, but, but it's worth it. Who is Jesus? Jesus is everything. Jesus is the reason for the season. But Jesus is the reason that I do what I do. He is the reason I get up here on a Sunday basis and just open up. He is the reason that I have followed the path that I have. He's the reason I know that my wife and I are together. He is the reason that I get up in the morning. He is the reason for everything in my life. He died so that I might live. And that's given me everything. I'm not scared of death. I'm not scared at all of death. I'm scared of dark waters, but I'm not scared of death. Roaches, yes. Death, no. You know, are you scared of death? Do you wonder what's going to happen after you die? You know, a lot of people stay up at night thinking about that. A lot of people are plagued by that thought. What's going to happen when? They live their lives in a certain way where they don't experience 
much of anything because they're scared to experience anything. Are you worried about what's coming around the next corner? Are you worried what might happen to your child, your spouse, your job? What happens if the bank knocks on your door and says, we're foreclosing on your house? What happens if your marriage falls apart and get a divorce? What happens if your child gets sick? If you get sick? These are the plagues of our world. The things that torment us day and night, big and small alike. We all have something that's nagging on the back of our mind that keeps coming back to us. Here's the thing that I've learned over the years. None of that matters because I got Jesus. Jenna and I went to Dallas this week and to Scottish Rite Hospital to the neurology department. And the doctor came in who they obviously paid for his brains and not his bedside manner. And he gave us a report we weren't expecting. He was not uplifting. He was not positive. Jenna walked out of there feeling a little differently than I did. When he was talking to us and he was saying all these things, Grace had fallen asleep because he was just boring. And so she was asleep on the table. And I just had my hand on her back. And he was telling us these things, these horrible things that could happen in the future. And I was standing there looking at him. I was looking through him. Going, you know what? You know a lot, but you don't know everything. You don't know what I know. I know Jesus Christ. And I know that he died for me and that he died for my daughter. And no matter what happens in her life, doesn't change that fact. No matter what happens in her life and in our family, it doesn't change the fact that Christ died for her. She's taken care of. And that Christ died for me and my wife, and we're taken care of. And you know what? Christ died for you, buddy. And if you knew that, you'd probably smile a little more. Who is Jesus, really? He's my best friend. He's my strength. He's my guide, my director. He's my savior. And because of him, because of his death and his resurrection, I have life. I have life. Who is Jesus is a question that you have to answer for yourself. I can tell you all the historical evidence. I can tell you some theological stuff that I just, I don't like, but I could tell you. We could sit down and we could walk through books about Christ because there's been a couple written about him. But Christ is personal. Christ is inside and it's a question that you're going, going to eventually have to answer for yourself. Who is Jesus? To me, everything. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, creator, redeemer, sustainer. You are a God of 
amazing wisdom and a God of amazing love. So much love that you sent your son to live here on earth. Jesus Christ walked among us. He suffered and he died for us. He rose again. You're, you're a God of such amazing love that whenever we turn to you, whenever we come to you, you will be there. Lord, I'm, I'm sure that not everyone in this room has known that love. I'm sure that not everyone in this room has experienced you on a personal basis. They might have a head knowledge of you, of, of you Lord. They might know you from Sunday school years ago. They might know you from books that they've read or things they've heard or songs they sung, but they might not know you personally. Because God, there's a difference in coming to church and going through the motions and knowing you. And Lord, we just cry out to you right now that you would open their hearts and their minds, that you would flood them with your love and your spirit that they will be overcome right now with your grace. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with everything that you are, that when the question is asked, who is Jesus? They have not a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. Lord, I pray that you would break down the walls, the cynicism of this world, that they might be open to you moving in their life that they would be willing to say, I'm ready to pick up my cross and follow you with the knowledge that it won't always be easy, but it will be beautiful. Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to accept you right now in this room, that they would give their life to you, that they would cast aside themselves in this world and accept you as their savior. The word says that all sin leads to death. There must be a restitution for it. Allow them to accept you as that restitution. To accept the gift of life that you freely offer them. Allow them to come forward today after the service and to talk to one of us on the prayer team, to me about this major decision. Paul says it's not just believing in your heart, it's professing with your mouth, God. We pray that you would give them the strength to do that. We thank you for your son, Jesus, for the father, the creator, for the spirit, the sustainer. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. There is prayer after the service on this side of the stage. I will be up front and center. And if you want to make that decision, I ask you to come forward. No one's going to look at you any differently except with eyes of love and eyes of excitement. Next week, we talk about the Bible. And seriously, send me emails because I have nothing. See you next week.